Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod and give us a like on Facebook. Also, remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Y'all, we're doing Proud and Prejudice. It's a new season. So a new book, a new season. How's everybody doing? How we feeling? I'm doing great. I am drinking a Moscow Mule tonight. Found some lemon-flavored vodka in the back of a cabinet. (laughs) Always a fun time. (laughs) Got some really old ginger beer. Mm-hmm. It's a weird one, but I'm <laughs> sipping it. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing really well. I've been sick, and we haven't, all of us haven't talked in a while, and yeah. it's just great to be back together. Great to be talking about my favorite book of all time. I honestly couldn't be doing better on this Thursday evening. I'm just super happy today. I'm doing well. Um, it's almost the end of summer reading at the library, so chaos is kind of winding down a little bit as school is starting. Mm. getting a breather <laughs> um and i think i found a new flavor of house wine i haven't tried Ooh, tell oh, us wow shocking now i can't tell if this is actually a new flavor that i haven't tried uh or if this is just the rainbow can and normal packaging <laughs> i can't tell <sighs> so i need to uh do my research after this but i'm drinking the Rosé Bubbles house wine. Well, Lori, I've done extensive market research, and I do believe (laughs) that it is the same house wine, the Rosé Bubbles. Oh, good. (laughs) In different packaging. But let me say, the Rainbow Can does add an extra element that may or may not enhance the flavor. I would just have to, wouldn't it? Well, I am just also doing well. During our break, uh, Austin and I had our one year anniversary so we got to go celebrate that together it was really fun i got to go meet my niece charlotte grace who there's charlotte in this novel we'll be talking about later so y'all better be prepared and guys i'm just so unbelievably excited to talk about this book upon rereading i just had so many thoughts that i'm excited to share um but right now i am actually drinking tea from (laughs) chick-fil-a so it's iced not the normal variety but i am a huge fan of like a half sweet half unsweet tea from chick-fil-a yes girl yes their sweet is just uh it's a little too much for me so i go with the half (laughs) and half because i'm a wimp um but that's what i'm enjoying right now and it is you know delightful that's super good i always love a half and half tea i remember when we both got that in college and i was like wow i found my soulmate (laughs) Our classic go-to Zaxby's drink, we would get that in the Big Zax snack meal. And then we discovered at the same time that it was giving us heartburn, that we were mistaking for anxiety. (laughs) Gotta love that. Uh, Bosom sisters. Well, I just have all sorts of warm feelings right now. I'm here with my my best friends. We're talking about my favorite book. And right after I finished uh, my reread of this, I started um, listening to the first Harry Potter book again. (gasps) Ooh. Yes. So just all the warm and uh, loving feelings. 
Well, Julia, for those friends who may need a refresher on the plot of Pride and Prejudice, or maybe those who are brand new to this story, could you give us um, a little bit of a plot synopsis? Just tells us what tell us what happens in this book. Absolutely, I can. And I just want to preface this with saying, if you're a person who loves Pride and Prejudice, the movie, and you haven't gotten around to reading the book yet, just this is your sign. Okay, this is your sign from the heavens. You need to do it because there's just a lot of stuff in there that is really good. So basically what we're saying is there's no reason why you shouldn't read the book. And with that being said, <laughs> let's dive in, shall we? So as you may know, this book centers around the Bennets. The Bennets are five sisters, Lydia, Kitty, Mary, Elizabeth, and Jane, and they live at Longbourn. Mrs. Bennet, their mother, is just obsessed with getting them all married off. And as luck would have it, at the beginning of the novel, a man named Mr. Bingley has moved into a house called Netherfield, and he has a lot of money. So Mrs. Bennet is immediately set on the fact that he must marry one of her daughters, preferably Jane, the eldest, and as she frequently states, the most beautiful, which, uh, Mrs. Bennet, please. (laughs) She loves to spend time talking about she loves to spend time bragging about her daughters and then talking about how she never brags about her daughters and then bragging about her daughters again. Yeah. Aside from Mrs. Bennett's horrible mothering skills, uh, Bingley winds up meeting the Bennett family at a ball that is hosted in town. And at this ball, we also get to meet the rest of the people that are at his party. It's his sister, Caroline Bingley, one of his other sisters, Mrs. Huntsford and her husband, and then Mr. Darcy. So at the ball, everyone loves Mr. Bingley. He's super friendly and really charming and very bubbly. And almost immediately, everyone hates Darcy because he is proud and haughty and he doesn't dance with anyone he doesn't know. So pretty much no one there. At one point, Elizabeth overhears a man asking Mr. Darcy to go dance with her because she doesn't have a partner and he says that he doesn't want to dance with her and also calls her ugly. So pretty much immediately, Elizabeth hates him now, obviously. Not a great first look for our guy. But something good did happen at this ball. Jane and Bingley met and they actually danced two sets together. So, you know, Mrs. Bennett is already planning the wedding. And Jane gets invited to hang out at Netherfield with Bingley and his sisters and Darcy. But Mrs. Bennett, ever the schemer, sends her there with a horse but no carriage, and it's raining, so she gets very sick and has to stay there for many days, which was exactly Mrs. Bennett's design. She's a crafty one. So Elizabeth eventually goes over to Netherfield to come take care of Jane because she's basically just shut up in this room all by herself, and Caroline and Mrs. Hunsford are really mean, so they're barely even checking on her, but Bingley is being so patient and attending to her. And during the times when Elizabeth is not attending to Jane, she is invited to go down and have dinner with the party at Netherfield. And during this time, she gets to watch Caroline mercilessly try and flirt with Darcy, and it's not going very well for him. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, she really is is not doing well with it. Meanwhile, Elizabeth basically just teases Darcy mercilessly, and he always has a rebuttal for her. So... Yeah, it's a really interesting relationship that's developing between Elizabeth and Darcy. It's like... 
kind of flirty, but then also she like really doesn't like him. Like it's mm-hmm. really solidifying in her mind how much she doesn't like him. It's definitely a battle of the wits happening. Absolutely. And Caroline tries desperately to be a part of it. And she's just, she's not there, you guys. She's not there. Because her game is all flattering of Mr. Darcy. So she can never agree with Elizabeth. And Darcy has no interest in, you know, being flattered by her, basically. So after Jane is all attended to and after one very embarrassing visit from Mrs. Bennett and her other three daughters is finally over and both Jane and Elizabeth are mortified by their mother's annoying behavior, someone new comes into town and his name is Mr. Collins. A.K.A. the absolute worst. (laughs) Well, maybe not the absolute worst, but he pretty dang bad. (laughs) A.K.A. the absolute worst weirdest family member at least for now (laughs) at least for now so mr collins is coming into town because he is actually related to the bennett family and the estate of mr bennett is entailed to mr collins so naturally mrs bennett absolutely hates him because she doesn't understand how entails work (laughs) (laughs) so mr collins comes to town and he has the parsonage at rosings park which is Lady Catherine's estate. And he never shuts up about it, ever. (laughs) So Mr. Collins spends some time annoying the ladies and Mr. Bennet at Longbourn when someone else comes to town, the militia. And with the militia comes one Mr. Wickham. Mr. Wickham is initially charming and warm and has manners that are totally pleasing to all the ladies including elizabeth and he gets in her good graces and flirts with her and then he gives her some real juicy dirt on mr darcy this is where the plot thickens it really thickens so he tells elizabeth that mr darcy's father was basically like his second dad and that when mr darcy's father died he was going to leave him his parsonage, and that Mr. Darcy now has refused to give it to Mr. Wickham, so he's had to live destitute in poverty. And, you know, he's gone against the wishes of his dearly beloved father, and so Wickham does not like Darcy and thinks him proud and haughty and horrible. And, of course, because Elizabeth already doesn't like Mr. Darcy, she automatically believes him and hates Darcy. As you do, you just got to go with it. When you get stuff that backs you up, you go with it. Especially if it's from a hot guy in a uniform, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's being charming and he's telling you that the guy that said you were ugly is actually really mean. And you're like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah, he is. I get that. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> now comes the Netherfield ball where the plot continues to thicken. The Netherfield ball is thrown by the Bingleys. It was actually the request of Lydia that they throw this ball when she came to visit Jane. Very rude of her. <laughs> but Classic Lydia. The Netherfield ball, you guys. It is the time. So, for one, Elizabeth is very excited because she wants to see and dance with Mr. Wickham. But unfortunately, Mr. Wickham is not there. Meanwhile, Mr. Collins is there with some designs. He has told Mrs. Bennett before this ball that he has come to Longbourn with the design of marrying one of her daughters. 
Collins wants to marry Jane. And of course, everybody knows Bingley and Jane are destined, right? Everybody. Destined to be together. They're basically married. So she basically tells Collins that, you know, Jane's very soon to be engaged, which TBH, she has no authority to say that, but that's beside the point. And Mr. Collins immediately is like, you know what? The second eldest daughter would be fine. That's totally fine. So rude mr collins tells elizabeth almost immediately that it is his plan to remain close to elizabeth for the entirety of the ball and she is not thrilled it is my intention to remain close to you throughout the evening run my dog to me when i'm cooking or doing literally (laughs) anything in my house so he dances with elizabeth and he's really bad and he really embarrasses her And then Mr. Darcy comes up to Elizabeth and asks her to dance. And she's like, dude, why are you doing this? And she kind of just like sasses him the whole time. But, you know, they dance together and it goes fine. (laughs) So, you know, Lydia and Kitty are being major flirts the whole time. And then Mrs. Bennett is seated next to Mr. Darcy and is like talking super loudly to the other person that she's next to about how Jane and Bingley are going to get married like really loudly. And then Mary plays the piano in front of everyone really badly and loudly for a very long time. And so she embarrasses everyone. And it's just not a good time. And Elizabeth is really embarrassed by her whole family. And Jane would be too. But Jane and Bingley have been dancing together like the entire ball. So neither of them notice at all. But other people do. Everyone does. Unfortunately, following the ball, Mr. Bingley has some business to attend to in town, and Mrs. Bennett is, of course, very sad. And Jane's pretty sad, too. But it gets worse. Mr. Collins (laughs) decides that now would be an opportune moment to propose to Elizabeth. And obviously, she says no. And then he's like, oh, you're just being polite. Let me propose to you again. And she says, no, I would never do that please take my answer no and then he continues to propose no means no dude (laughs) he finally gets the idea and takes her no and he's very upset and her mom's very upset and her dad's very happy and then it gets worse mr collins then proposes to elizabeth's best friend charlotte and she accepts and elizabeth is kind of upset but charlotte's like you know what i'm kind of old My family doesn't have any money, so I need this. I need stability. And then it gets worse. Again. (laughs) It just continues to get worse. (laughs) We're on a downhill slide here, folks. The rest of the party quits Netherfield and lets Jane know that Mr. Bingley is going to be pretty permanently detained in London, and she's really upset. But not just that. Also, that they have intentions of setting him up with Darcy's sister. Yeah, Georgiana Darcy. Yeah, and so she does not take that well. But poor thing is still like, oh, Caroline Bingley, she's just so nice. She doesn't know, you know. She just really likes Georgiana. Oh, poor Jane. Poor Jane. You want to talk about being so sweet that you're just oblivious to everyone's imperfections ever? Like, clearly this girl is manipulating the crap out of you. Mm Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet Jane. So next, Mr. and Mrs. Gardner, who are the aunt and uncle of the Bennett sisters, the brother of Mrs. Bennett, they come into town and they offer to take Jane with them into London. So obviously she's very delighted at the prospect of potentially seeing Bingley again. And around the same time, Elizabeth is invited to go 
visit with Charlotte and Mr. Collins at their little house that they have at Rosings. So they both go on their different adventures and they have times. So (laughs) Jane is in London and the entire time she's there for like three months, I think. And she goes to see Caroline Bingley and Caroline Bingley doesn't pay her a visit back until like weeks later. And she's super rude and not very friendly. And then she never hears from her again. And Bingley never visits. And so Jane's just really, really heartbroken because, you know, her expectations have just been shattered. He really let her on. Caroline's true intentions are revealed. Mm -hmm. So Jane lets Elizabeth know about this in some pretty sad letters. And then Elizabeth is also having a time. She gets to meet Lady Catherine, who's like super haughty and really annoying and just kind of the worst. But it gets interesting because Colonel Fitzwilliam, who is Darcy's this is cousin. Where, this is where it gets really good. It, it really Like, does. honestly, it's super good. Yes. So Colonel Fitzwilliam and Mr. Darcy arrive to visit with Lady Catherine. And they're pretty much just... They'll hang out and visit the house and come talk to the ladies. And eventually, one day, Elizabeth has this walk that she really likes to take back and forth on the grounds. And Mr. Darcy shows up one day and he's just like there. So she tells him, hey, you know, like, I actually really like to walk on this path, thinking that hopefully he'll never appear there again because he knows (laughs) this is her spot. Wouldn't you know, he appears there every day after that so they just have to walk together and he keeps talking about these weird things about how you know maybe it would be fun for them to be there again sometime you know and also it's just like dude what are you talking about she's just like <laughs> just not understand what's happening until one day she learned something from colonel fitzwilliam life-changing life-changing Big deal. okay she learns from him that mr darcy quote-unquote saved a friend of his from un- an unsuitable marriage. So Elizabeth, who might that friend be? Obviously knows. Yeah, right. So the yeah. friend is Bingley. He saved Bingley from an unsuitable match with a girl whose family had some defects. And Elizabeth is obviously enraged because this means that Mr. Darcy was the cause in the destruction of her sister's future hopes for happiness right because she can tell in these letters she's been getting from jane she's distressed and jane does not get distressed because she's jane so the plot thickens yet again my (laughs) friends elizabeth is so distressed about this news about mr darcy breaking up jane and bingley that she stays home from church because or tea she stays home from tea and she says she has a headache or whatever Well, Mr. Darcy freaking shows up. She's like, this guy again. And he's like, oh, I I just had to check on you. And this is when, guys, this is when he says, you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. Wrong time, dude. Wrong time. Yikes. 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 So then he goes on. But. What? He says that, but he also says. Oh, yeah. I was getting there. Don't trust me. So he says that and then he follows it with, oh, yeah, I know your family is super unsuitable. Like your mom's kind of the worst and your sisters are really annoying and you're super beneath me. So trust me, I tried. I tried to get over this because trust me, you're beneath me. And I know this looks bad. Like, trust me, I tried to get over this, but I couldn't. So um, you want to marry me? 
literally he just guys that's word dug for word. A hole. He, he dug a hole and he just kept digging and he kept digging and he kept digging like mm-hmm. dude so dude. elizabeth obviously is like um no <laughs> and he, he's like legitimately confused you guys he's like wait like why won't you marry me and you know she says some stuff one quote that I vaguely remember is, you're the last man in the world that I could ever be prevailed upon to bury. Like, <laughs> you know, just kinda, that little line. She destroys him a little bit. She calls does. Him out on all this, she, um, she, gets, all this she gets into it. Because, like, he's he's really confused. He doesn't get it. First of all, she's like, um, the manner in which you undress me, uh, the manner in which you address me. <laughs> not Regency We're not there yet. <laughs> You know, he was not gentlemanlike in his addresses to her. And then she also says, you also broke up my sister in Bingley and destroyed her happiness. And he's like, bro, I didn't even know she liked him. I thought that she was indifferent. And she's like, well, that's because you don't know Jane, idiot. And, you know, he is like, well, whoops. Um, But at that time, he's too upset to actually say, well, whoops. He's just kind of, you know, he'll get there internally. And then she also calls him out big time on the whole destroying Wickham's happiness and well-being thing and denying the wishes of his father. And on that point, he's like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Clearly, they're both very mad. She's fuming. She says some things. He says some things. And then he pretty much leaves in a huff. Well, later the next day, she's on her little walk and she thinks she sees somebody in the woods. And she's like, shoot, is that Darcy? And then she sees him and she's like, well, it is. And then she tries to turn around and then he calls her name and she's like, it. And I feel like we've all been there. We've all been there, ladies. We've all been there. So he hands her a letter and asks her to read it. So obviously, immediately, she rips it open and sees, like, a lot of writing. A lot of writing. Multiple pages. Mm-hmm. And earlier in the book, Caroline had actually said, oh, you're such a great letter writer. And everybody was like, Caroline, you're an idiot. You probably are just saying that. But you know what? After reading his letters through Austin, I'm going to tell you guys, he's a, he's a good letter writer. Yeah, so basically, yeah. he explains. He's like... Here's what happened in your unfair accusations that you so rudely presented against me. I'm going to write them because I don't want you to think that I don't have any dignity. Okay. And he explains, you know, I thought that Jane didn't love Bingley. So I was trying to bring them apart. I'm not going to lie to you, but it was because your family was all acting amok and I thought Jane didn't love Bingley. So I was like, you know what? This is just going to bring him down. I got to keep him away. So I'm going to prevent him from seeing her. And I did it to protect my friend. Get over it, basically. Then he's like, on the Wickham hand, he has lied and he is a rake. (laughs) Basically, we find out that after the passing of Mr. Darcy's father, Wickham was like, you know what? I don't want the parsonage. And Darcy was like, okay, I'll give the parsonage to someone else. And Wickham's like, good. And then Mr. Wickham... He gave him money. Yeah, he Wickham gave him like, money instead. all the money. He, he goes off. He takes his money. He goes into town and he spins it and he goes crazy. And then he comes to Georgiana Darcy, who at the time is like 15. And he tries to seduce Georgiana Darcy for her money. Well, Mr. Darcy luckily comes into town right before they're supposed to run away. And Georgiana confesses all of it to him because she loves her big brother. And he's like, heck no. And he stops. He stops it from happening. And so basically, (laughs) we find out that Wickham is a complete rake. And the reason he's in the militia is because he had all these debts and he had to leave because Mr. Darcy said goodbye forever 
you're the worst. And so Elizabeth is kind of like not sure if she should believe this at first, but then at the end, he says, you can confirm all of this with Colonel Fitzwilliam because she's Georgiana's other guardian. And so we had to do all this together, but nobody else knows because I want to protect my sister. And so he cites his sources. He man. does. There is, he there does. is You got to cite your sources. Yeah. Elizabeth really likes Colonel Fitzwilliam. So she's like, you know what? I think I believe him. And slowly but surely, she begins to kind of like soften on the Mr. Darcy front. You know, she begins to really hate Wickham, first of all. And then she softens on the Mr. Darcy front. So let's fast forward, shall we? Elizabeth then goes back to her family. She tells Jane about what happened. Not the Bingley stuff, because she thinks that would be too painful. But she tells her about some stuff. Then, a couple weeks later, Elizabeth is slated to go on a journey with Mr. and Mrs. Gardner to the lakes. But unfortunately, the journey has to get cut short because of some businessy things. So instead, they go to Derbyshire, which just so happens to be where Mr. Darcy's estate of Pemberley is. So on their journey, Mrs. Gardner really wants to see Pemberley because she's grown up in this area and she's like, you know what? We got to see it. And Elizabeth is like, "Ah, please don't take me to Pemberley. She's like MTV. I want to see his crib. (laughs) Yeah. But Elizabeth is like freaking out. So she asks someone, hey, is uh, the uh, master of of Pemberley at home? And everybody's like, nah, he's not going to be home for weeks. Elizabeth's like, okay, fine, we can go. So they tour the house. And the, the servant who's giving them a tour is like, oh, Mr. Darcy's the best. He's so kind. He's so nice. Everybody loves him. And then they look at all these pictures. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, and is, isn't he handsome? And Elizabeth is like, yeah he kind of is handsome and this lady's saying he's like really really nice and everybody loves him and he has like a lot of really cool land and his house is really cool and elizabeth is just kind of like freaking out you guys and also wow i could have been so wealthy and all of this could have been mine she's like did i make a mistake she's like oh uh maybe will not tell mom about this one so as they're walking out of pemberley to go tour the grounds elizabeth runs into mr darcy (laughs) and they they freak out she is like oh my gosh what do i do i don't know i'm so embarrassed she's ashamed she's like he's gonna think i'm this gold digger and that i came here on purpose to just rub it in his face Mr. Darcy's being super nice, the nicest she's ever seen him be. And he even says that he wants her to meet his sister. And then he like walks around on the grounds with them later on. It's crazy. So later on, he brings his sister and Bingley by the hotel that she's staying at with her aunt and uncle and they visit and it's all very friendly and cordial. And she finds out that Georgiana Darcy is not proud like Wickham said. She's just really shy and super sweet. And Bingley keeps asking, like, hey, how's your family? Hey, how's your family? Hey, how's your family? Like, trying to get information about Jane without getting information about Jane, which, of course, makes Elizabeth happy. And they have a couple of different meetings like this where uh, Mr. Bingley invites Mr. Gardner to go fishing with him. So the ladies call on Georgiana. And then Mr. Darcy finds out that Elizabeth's in Georgiana's suite. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I got to go talk to them. So Elizabeth is like, oh, hey, Mr. Darcy. And then Caroline Bingley's there. So she's like, oh, my gosh, Elizabeth, you're like so annoying. And Mr. Darcy's like, I think she's beautiful. But obviously, that's <laughs> once she's out of earshot. That's that's actually like from the book, you guys. She has fine eyes. She does. She does. Um, so 
we continue on the story. And at their hotel, Elizabeth gets a letter from Jane, and she finds out that Lydia has run away to elope with Mr. Wickham. But then she gets another letter, and they aren't eloping. They're just running away together with apparently no intention to be married. So, obviously, Elizabeth is distraught. She starts weeping. She's about to run out the door to go get Mr. Gardner when Mr. Darcy appears again. And she's like, I gotta go. I'm I'm sorry. I have urgent business to attend to. And he says, and I quote, good God. (laughs) She tries to figure out what's going on, and she basically spills her guts. She tells him everything, and she's like, oh, it's my fault. If only I had warned my father not to send Lydia to Brighton. And, uh... So she's really upset. And Mr. Darcy just kind of paces around and he doesn't know what to do. And Elizabeth's like, oh my gosh, he's judging my family even more now. And he thinks I'm so unsuitable, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Mr. Darcy leaves after he's asked about her a couple of times. The gardeners come back and they immediately set off to go help find Lydia. So Mr. Gardner winds up going to London where Mr. Bennett is to try to find Lydia and the ladies stay at home and take care of their mom. And eventually they get a letter from Mr. Gardner that Lydia has been found and that all Mr. Bennett needs to do is give him her planned dowry and a hundred pounds per year. And Mr. Bennett is like, your uncle must have paid a lot of money because Lydia is worth nowhere near any of that amount. He must have like paid a lot because nothing could prevail man to marry her for that little like he roasts her so lydia and wickham after some coercing mr bennett allows them to come visit and lydia's just being obnoxious and wickham's just being obnoxious and they're all being obnoxious and acting like they did nothing wrong and it's really annoying and then lydia lets it slip once when she's with elizabeth and jane that mr darcy was at their wedding and elizabeth was like huh so she writes a letter to her aunt And her aunt writes back and tells her that Mr. Darcy found Lydia and Wickham and he forced Wickham to marry Lydia and paid him a lot of money and is paying for all of his debts. And he told Mr. Gardner that he should conceal it and not let anyone know. Obviously, Elizabeth is like, oh, my gosh. And Mrs. Gardner has a couple like winks, wink, winks. We feel like he did this for more than just his own. You know, Mr. Darcy told them that he did it because he should have told people about what Wickham did to his sister. So this wouldn't have happened. But they're like, wink, wink. I think he did it for another reason. Wink, wink, wink. And Elizabeth is like, could I dare but to hope? (laughs) So Bingley and Darcy wind up coming back to Netherfield. And they visit Longbourn a lot. And Bingley and Jane are basically right back at it. You know, Jane tells Elizabeth, oh, I'm just so glad we're friends. And Elizabeth is like, (laughs) just friends. Okay. And Jane's like, please believe me. And Elizabeth is like, (laughs) then stop lying <laughs> and that goes Accurate. that goes on but bingley's clearly still very interested in jane and mr darcy is watching their interactions and elizabeth is like oh my gosh he totally gave bingley permission to marry jane um then mr darcy leaves for a little bit and jane and bingley become engaged and everyone's happy and then lady catherine arrives out of nowhere all of a sudden in the morning and she pulls elizabeth to the woods and is like hey i heard you're marrying mr darcy and i need you to promise me that you will never ever ever do that because he's marrying my daughter and elizabeth says yeah i'm not gonna do that and she's like well, i'm not leaving till you do and elizabeth says well too bad goodbye i'm never telling you that ever because it's none, none your of business. your business yes exactly <laughs> so lady catherine leaves in a huff and she's really mad and elizabeth is like 
you know what, she's probably going to tell Mr. Darcy about this. And then Mr. Darcy's going to be like, you know what, you're right. It would be a disgrace to marry her like my aunt is saying, so now I'm really not going to do it. So Elizabeth is pretty bummed out. But Darcy had had plans to visit Bingley in the next couple of days, and she's like, you know what? If Mr. Darcy gives Mr. Bingley his regrets and doesn't come, then I'll know it's over. I'll know to stop hoping. But if he comes, maybe there's hope. So Mr. Darcy does come to visit. And every time he's there, Elizabeth is trying to talk to him, but they keep not being able to talk to each other. And she keeps looking at him. Her mom is being like this huge jerk to him. And she's like, oh, if she only knew, if she only knew what he's done for this family. Mm -hmm. Then one day, Kitty, Jane, Bingley, Darcy, and Elizabeth go for a walk. And Jane and Bingley obviously lag behind because, you know, lovers. And then Kitty wants to visit one of the Lucas girls because, you know, she's... Friendship. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) So Elizabeth just continues on because she's like, we could have no business there. And Mr. Darcy, after Elizabeth has finally had the chance to thank him for saving her sister and their entire family, Mr. Darcy says, my feelings are the same that they have been. But one word from you on this point will silence me forever. And Elizabeth is like, oh, my gosh. And it doesn't tell us exactly what she said. But basically, she says, yeah, I've completely done like a 180 and I love you. (laughs) So they talk and talk and talk and talk and walk for miles and miles and miles and just talk about how in love they are and how everything's changed and just fill in the gaps of their feelings. And then when they come back to the house, everybody's like, "Mm." where were you guys? And Elizabeth is like, oh, I was just walking. And everybody was like, okay. And nobody suspects a thing. (laughs) So anyway, everything gets squared away and everybody is asked for permission and everybody's happy. And Mr. Bingley and Jane get married and Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth get married and all is settled and all is right with the world. And that is the end of the novel. It's so beautiful. So good. Gosh, Julia, well, thank you so much for walking us through that plot. That was my very detailed plot synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> it was very entertaining, though. I really enjoyed it. Um, so we did talk a lot about the characters and what happens with them. But Lori, can you just tell us a little bit more hit who our main characters are going to be this season? Um, and just like how to let's talk about how we feel about them a little bit. OK, so basically we've got our top five people. We have our beloved, sweet, and innocent, can't think anything bad about anyone, Jane Bennett. I love her. She is an angel. We can't say anything bad about our Jane. Then we have my idol, Elizabeth Bennett. If there can be anyone in the world who I could be, it would be Elizabeth. I want her wit. Someone please impart that upon me. We love her. She is a queen and our gentleman. We have our darling Charles Bingley, which, yes, I will inform you of their first names <laughs> because it's not very clear in the novel, y'all. But Bingley's first name is Charles, and he is a sweet, sweet dear boy who cares very much for his friend's opinions. <laughs> and we also have Mr. Darcy. Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy. Yes, it's a little confusing because we also have Colonel Fitzwilliam, which is a last name, but then Fitzwilliam Darcy 
is a first name. Yeah, it can get confusing. I'm so sorry. I can't do anything about it. We have Darcy, who is, in my small opinion, um, possibly a king among men. I don't know. I quite love him a lot. I've just got to say, you guys, reading the book again really reminded me what a great character he is. Because if you've only seen the 2005 movie, I feel like this brings so much depth to his character and helps you understand why he is the way he is at the beginning of the movie, you know? So, oh gosh, just love him. So much character growth. And then we got trash. Okay, we're going to end this with trash, and I want to destroy him. But we got Wickham, and I'm not even going to say his first name. I don't even know if they list it, thinking back on it. George. George. George Wickham. Yeah, he's trash. We don't like him. I will take any opinions on any of these other characters besides Wickham, because I think we're all in agreement. He trash. Okay, I got opinions. So I absolutely think Elizabeth is like one of the greatest fictional characters of all time. Love that girl. Thank you. Um, she's like who the who I wish that I was, but in reality, I'm much more <laughs> of an Eleanor Dashwood. But definitely, I'm like wow, Elizabeth is like who I aspire to be. Um, I love her wit. I love her independence. Those are things that I admire and long for myself. Jane is just so kind-hearted. And I feel like my mom raised me to always try and see both sides of every situation. And Jane lives that out. Mm. She's like, oh, well, no, certainly mm. like this is like this and this is like this. And I really admire that about Jane. And just Bingley is like the perfect match for her he's just so sweet like a golden retriever and he is I the og him. golden retriever puppy mm-hmm. yes he totally is and then freaking george freaking wake up man just laurie you said it well he is trash but also he isn't he just like such a common real world character mm-hmm. i feel like he really is and like with Willoughby, I was going to compare them because I think Wickham is so much worse. Yes, I was I was going to give Willoughby his credit. Wickham is just straight trash. With Willoughby, at least you can kind of like understand some things. But like Wickham, dude, you messed yourself up. You can't own your own actions and you keep digging yourself a deeper hole. Just stop. You trash. Well, and Willoughby... I don't think had malicious intentions the whole time. Yeah. But Wickham did. Yeah. I think that Wickham is consistently hurting people intentionally. Mm-hmm. Whereas Willoughby, he hurts Marianne, but he doesn't like want to. That wasn't his design in studying out. And he feels really horrible about it. And then, you know, um, Colonel Brandon's ward, that was totally unintentional. Bad Yes, but completely unintentional. He did not mean to abandon her. He had no idea the situation he was leaving her in. Whereas Wickham was purposely trying to ruin Georgiana Darcy. He purposely was trying to ruin Lydia. He leaves all these debts behind him wherever he goes. He like spreads slander on Darcy's name. He does just the worst things. He's just like so suave about it and just like tries to cover it up, especially when he's talking to you. Elizabeth at the end and she's like dude look I know mm-hmm. I know that you were a trash person and he's like but no I'm not it's just so annoying which is actually 
one of my favorite like running jokes towards the end of the book with Mr. Bennett is like he always talks about how <laughs> Mr. Wickham's his favorite son-in-law. <laughs> oh gosh, it's awesome. And then of course Darcy, just in comparison to Wickham especially, is just super amazing and is probably where all of my childhood slash high school slash young adult slash maybe currently like romantic ideas <laughs> and ideals come from just such an incredible character mm-hmm. and I'm going to say more on this later but the transformation that he goes through and the transformation that Elizabeth oh, goes yeah. through and the way that Jane Austen writes those are just so well done so beautiful um I'll, I'll hold back on that for now but I want to hear what y'all think about the characters I was going to say, you want to talk about something that is appealing and sexy about somebody? Owning up to your actions and then changing character growth. Mm. You know, it's a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think my a lot of my feelings are very similar to yours, Beth, about these characters. I like Jane Bennett. She's a sweetie. She's like who I I feel like I wish I could be Jane. You know, I feel like I definitely have some things in common with Elizabeth and I wish I had more in common with Jane because she's so patient and so kind hearted. And like you said, Bingley is just so well suited for her. And I just have such a soft spot for Bingley because he's you married a exactly, Bingley. I married a Bingley. He's so sweet. He's so patient. He's so kind. He's just so loyal. And, you know, I married a Bingley. So gotta love Bingley and you know I just love that obviously their relationship has a turmoil of them being separated because Bingley was convinced that Jane didn't love him and Jane has to go through that but like they never stop loving each other you know like they love each other they get separated and then they come back together and all is right and I just uh, I love that with Elizabeth I feel like I've said multiple times on this podcast that I am a Marianne at heart but I feel like rereading Pride and Prejudice at this age I feel like I have so much that I can relate to with Elizabeth because I think some of her like you know she one of the first things that she works on is like maybe she judges people a little too quickly and like that's something that I'm definitely working on and like I love that Elizabeth has brown eyes because you guys we need that brown eye representation (laughs) in literature and I also just gosh I really um relate to Elizabeth some of Elizabeth's like social anxiety like she's always worried about what her family's doing I'm not necessarily worried about my family but she's worried about how people are perceiving things especially towards the end of the book once she's in love with Darcy and I just really relate to that um but I just love Elizabeth I think she's such a complex character and I love to see her growth especially I love being inside of her mind for the end of the novel as she's changing her mind about Darcy because that is such a complicated and cool thing that Jane was able to I feel like perfectly capture Jane Austen so upon a reread of Pride and Prejudice our I, maybe it was sophomore year, maybe it was junior year of college. And before I had fully read Sense and Sensibility to the comprehension of an adult woman, um, I definitely thought you two were both a mixture of Jane. Like two of you combined became Jane. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is hilarious in 
like hindsight because you are both Eleanor and Marianne <laughs> perfectly, but also combined you become Jane. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's, so That's a great compliment. I try. I think for me, you know, I think I mentioned this a little bit, but Darcy is just, he's such a great character. And like I said earlier, the book really makes, gives him so much more depth because you really get to see him come to terms with, oh my gosh, yeah, I was like really prideful. Thank you, Elizabeth, for pointing that out to me. And he really works on it and becomes like almost an entirely different person. But he has, gosh, just like such a strong moral code and the way he is so generous to others is just so sweet and the passion that he loves Elizabeth with is just so tender and the last couple of chapters where they've finally been able to admit it to get to each other and we get to see some of the lines and things that he says to Jane gosh it's just so sweet and then I guess the last character you know Wickham he's just garbage and I hate him <laughs> that's it that's all i have to say <laughs> i'm not too surprised by any of y'all's opinions but i do want to hear a little bit more about your history with pride and prejudice i think this story is super special to all three of us which is why we're so <laughs> excited to do a season on it but i want you to go ahead and tell me tell me what it was your first experience with the story of pride and prejudice And then was that the same as your first reading of the book or what was your first reading of the book? So I'm pretty sure my first experience with Pride and Prejudice was with the actual book. I don't think I saw a movie before I read it, which I'm kind of glad I did. But I'm pretty sure it was our junior year or senior year of high school. But starting from then on, I have a deep obsession. I just counted I have 17 copies Good. of Pride wow. and Prejudice. Wow. I told y'all that I collect them. Now, some of them are also like the editions where it's, there's like four or five of the novels. Like the collections. Yeah, yeah. they're like collections and they're, they're like fancy thick ones. Anyway, but yeah, I have 17. I just counted. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it was the senior year of high school. We read it in AP Lit. And I definitely read it before I watched the movie. (laughs) Julia, what about you? I believe my first experience with Pride and Prejudice, I wish I could remember more clearly. I believe it was watching the 2005 movie. Um, I know Mm. my first Austin was a movie, so I'm pretty sure I watched the 2005 movie first. And then I read the book first in my 10th grade World League class. So that was my first experience reading it. I definitely saw the 2005 Pride and Prejudice first, and I think that I was in middle school at the time when I watched it. I've said this before, but my mom and I went on a huge movie kick when I was in middle school, and we would stay up super late in the basement watching just like chick flick after chick flick, and it was so fun. And that was definitely like my first exposure to Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, Emma, all of those films I watched during that time. So that's when I watched the 2005 for the first time. And I had probably watched it about 10 times before I read the book. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I think that I read the book in high school for the first time. I know I definitely read it in college. But the movie, it's hard for me to separate the movie, that movie specifically, from the book in my mind. Because I had was so familiar with that specific telling of the Mm -hmm. story 
before I had even like thought about reading the book. Okay. So those are all of our first reading experiences. And I know that we just all reread it recently. What did you notice this time about the book that you hadn't noticed before? Or what was just something that like jumps out to you about the novel itself? Well, I think one thing for me, again, was just that I felt like I could really relate so much more to Elizabeth. Like she's such a down to earth character. And I just really loved that. I also just love the writing. Oh my gosh, this book, you just, you get into it and you can really understand honestly each of the characters and put yourself in the moment in each scene. Even just the description of the landscapes is beautiful. I also really loved, and I think Beth has something to say on this later, but there's a lot of dialogue. And one thing that I loved was occasionally Jane Austen will write dialogue and then kind of write a summary of someone's response and then continue with more dialogue. And one place she does this is when Elizabeth is telling Darcy that she loves him. She just kind of summarizes it. And I kind of loved that because it allowed you to really insert your imagination. And, you know, we want to hear exactly what she said, but we get to kind of create in our mind, I bet I I know what she would say because she's really allowed us to get in the mind of that character so much. And I also loved reading it this time, just knowing the story so well, just being able to so clearly picture what Darcy was going through in each moment that Elizabeth was missing. And I loved that. Yeah, there was so much that stuck out to me this time, but especially the writing. Like Austin's skill level and the beauty of it just blew me away. Specifically, one thing that stood out to me so much was the turning point that happens in Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. I had noticed Mm. before the turning in Darcy about how his behavior changed and of course, I loved refamiliarizing myself with that because it's just so much, you know, it's so much better done in the book mm-hmm. than it just can possibly be in any film adaptation. Um, but like I said, the main thing that stuck out was Elizabeth's mm-hmm. change and how she's reading those letters over and over. And just there's a huge heart change in her and you just see it slowly build. And it is so believable. There's just not a lot of stories where a change takes place like that in a character and it's actually believable and it's actually like a good example of how you can change your opinion on something and how that's normal. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved reading that part of it this time. And I think that's also why you can imagine what Elizabeth's response to Darcy is when she's telling him you love him because Jane has allowed you to so clearly get inside her head as she's slowly but surely come to love him and like you said that idea that you can change and grow to love someone I loved that too because you know we have Jane and Bingley who were like it's basically love at first sight and it's constant but then Elizabeth you know she's like maybe a little bit insecure but she's like no this is such a good and valid way for her love to grow and I loved that representation too yeah and in the movie like especially the 2005 version I always think I I think I assumed that she sees Darcy doing all these great things for her family. Like he fixes these situations and I mean, yeah, he messed them up, <laughs> but he fixes them <laughs> and he like he goes through a change and you kind of know that. But there's not as much of a like that was kind of it that that's like what it 
what it made sense to me. But in the book, there's just so much more to it than that. And it's so much deeper. And like you were saying, like she starts to see, oh, this is like what love can actually look like. Um, that was super cool. And Ben is actually reading Pride and Prejudice for the first time right now at my request. Wow. And it's just, it's really fun to talk about it with him, especially because he is an English teacher and he's a writer and he's like very fun to talk about these things with and like critical in the way that I am. And he's also reading this book right now called How to Write Like Tolstoy, which is by Richard Cohen. And that book is filled with examples from Austin's work. And I just love it. It's, it's She's so queen. funny. Because he's like, oh, it's another Jane Austen reference. It's another Jane Austen reference. And what Julia was referencing earlier is that um, Richard Cohen wrote in there, he like gave an example of a passage from Pride and Prejudice. And he talks about how even at the points when Darcy and Elizabeth aren't talking directly, like engaging in direct dialogue, there's still unspoken dialogue happening between Elizabeth and Darcy every scene. There's always something going on with them. And that put words to something that I hadn't really thought about before as well with um, just her writing and her skill level and just her like wonderful critique as well of characters and personality types um, that I'm sure were common in that time and that are kind of common now. And then the, the other thing that really jumped out to me was Darcy's relationship with the gardeners, mm-hmm. which is Elizabeth's mm-hmm. aunt and uncle. And the movie gets kind of skimmed over. He's nice to them and all that. But in the book, he actually spends a significant amount of time with them and a lot of time investing in a relationship with them. And they are people that are very below his social status that he would like kind of look down upon. But he establishes this relationship with him. And that is a huge factor for Elizabeth, who's very close with her aunt and uncle in her developing love for him is that she sees how he treats them. And it's just like um, another wonderful aspect of it that was missing from the 2005 where like my, you know, unfortunately I wish that I had read the book first, but that is where my basis for the story comes from. And on that note, I was going to say too, not only Darcy's relationship with the gardeners do you get more, but you also see way more of just the intimacy between Elizabeth and Mrs. Gardner. Um, and I really loved that just to get to see how close they were. And honestly, it's kind of like an explanation for how possibly Elizabeth and Jane turned out so well, because they had a good influence on that front. Um, and I also just loved getting to see a little bit of how Mr. and Mrs. Gardner are kind of figuring out slowly for themselves that, you know, there's probably something going on with Darcy and Elizabeth, but just the contrast <laughs> of how they handled that knowledge versus how Mrs. Bennett handled Jane and Bingley being interested in each other. And, yeah. you know, this is the right way to go about it. But then just later on, Mrs. Gardner hinting to Elizabeth that she kind of knows. And then finally, Elizabeth's joy at getting to tell her when they're finally together. It was just, it's such a sweet relationship that she has with them that is kind of glossed over in the movie as well. You can definitely see how, I guess, in the reader's mind and in Darcy's mind, um, that Mr. and Mrs. Gardner kind of almost replace Elizabeth and Jane's parents. They're, I guess, act more um, rational (laughs) um, compared to Mrs. Bennett. They kind of have the same level of opinions and 
manners, and, you know, those common everyday things that really influence Jane and Elizabeth that Darcy can see and also doesn't drive him completely bonkers to socialize with them. In Elizabeth's mind, you can really see how she's connecting the dots of he's making a point to interact and be a part of my family, especially with my quote-unquote almost parental figures. Yeah, him striving to have a relationship with people beneath him is helping to reverse her idea of him as a super vain and prideful person. I think for me in this read-through, two things have kind of stood out. One that I think both of you already pointed out and one that was quite surprising and will probably make both of you laugh and say, "Mm -hmm, yes, that makes sense. So the first was Austin's skill at writing. I now, as a full adult woman, really understand Elizabeth's wit and like some of the things that she's saying and the way that her and her father have conversations around the family as it's happening, you know, kind of like the side conversations that can happen. The the different intricacies of their conversations, I guess, is really what I'm trying to get at. We're much more clear this read through and I can actually see them happening as they would happen in the book. The funny thing that literally just occurred to me today was I'm pretty sure this is the origin for my love of enemies to lovers. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think this is the OG. I read this and went, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I like that. (laughs) (laughs) That trope. Yeah, that's so funny. Lori, I'm just not even sure that there's a point in asking this, <laughs> but <laughs> who would you date from the novel Pride and Prejudice? Well, there's there's just so many fine men to choose from. Um, I think it's pretty clear that my true, true love and expectation for men in general is in Fitzwilliam Aww. Darcy. Lori has set her screen name as Mrs. Darcy, by the way. So there is accurate. Really, really no point in me asking. (laughs) But uh, besides pointless questions, let me ask a good one. How are y'all's drinks? My drink is fine. It was a decent drink, but we talked for two hours before we started recording and all of my ice melted and my drink started (laughs) dripping all over me. So... I have not finished it. I'm like halfway through, but I honestly don't know what's ice and what's the giant chunk of lime that's in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit disastrous and now it tastes like water, but it's like spicy water because (laughs) it has so much ginger in it. It's just really, it's unpleasant at this point. Uh, Well, my tea was good. My ice also melted long ago, but thankfully it's in a styrofoam cup, so still pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, I liked it. It was a a good tea. You know, if you're someone who likes sweet tea but needs it a little less sweet, just know Chick-fil-A does the half and half thing. So enjoy it. (laughs) Also, you guys, I have a fun fact about this book that I forgot to share earlier on. Go for it. Okay, so you know how when uh, Elizabeth finally talks to her dad about how she's going to marry Mr. Darcy, he says, I could not have parted with you to anyone less worthy. That's what my dad said to Austin when he asked if he could marry me. He says, I could not have parted 
I know. Because me and my dad, we watched the movie a bunch of times. And when I was reading that in the book, I just was like, tears. Your dad is a true romantic. So sweet. (laughs) Well, um, upon Beth's revelation that um, my house rosé bubbles is in fact my favorite house wine in the rainbow can. Um, Yes, it's completely gone. Um, And I did love it and enjoyed it. Also, can we start tagging house wine in like everything (laughs) so we can get a sponsorship, please? Like, I think... Yeah, I can do that. (laughs) Thank you. I think our friend Emily uh, actually (laughs) said that she thought last season was sponsored by house wine with how much we drank it. And I think that's valid. House wine, you hear that? Give us give us some free bevs. I am a sponsor. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode where we introduce you to Pride and Prejudice, our topic for this season. Um, y'all, if you could give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be lovely. It would mean the world to us. Um, and you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram. We are at Sips and Sensibility Pod. And you should definitely like us on Facebook. We are Sips and Sensibility. So we are finally back. And now we get to watch some adaptations. We get some movies, some TV series, and some other spicy things thrown into the mix here and there. Uh, exciting announcements incoming. Please pay attention. Uh, two exciting things, actually. Next week, we are going to be watching the 1940s PNP. That's right, I said next week. This episode, as a special welcome back, we are premiering early, so it will be out next Thursday. So mark your calendars, it's a little surprise drop. And not only that, but premiering today is our episode that we did with P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. They have a great rom-coms podcast. Go check them out. Our episode that we did with them was on love and friendship, which some of you might know is the Lady Susan adaptation. So go check out their podcast. We loved being there. We had so much fun, and we hope y'all enjoy that episode. And until next week, keep on sipping, y'all.